Well, it is, uh, it is a blessing to be able to introduce to you again. Some of you know Jeff and Annie Dieselberg because you've been part of Cherry Hills for a while. If you didn't know this, Jeff and Annie were actually on staff at Cherry Hills back when we were at our uh, building on Outer Park. And uh, from June of 90 to uh, October of 94, they served. Uh, both were on staff uh, and also uh, their kids. Um, in many ways, their family grew while they were a part of Springfield. And they're excited because uh, their family is with them uh, for this weekend. And uh, they're going to, I think, be in the next service. But Jordan and Christina, Skyler and Chandler, and Jordan even has his girlfriend, Lucia, who's part of Nightlight staff. Uh, that Jeff and Annie have, uh, that staff, and uh, so we're excited about that. One of the things that I think you're going to notice about Jeff and Annie is that since they've moved to Thailand, they have learned a lot about spiritual warfare. They have learned a lot about the fact that you do not help people get out of the sex slave trade uh, without kickback, without incredible darkness, being gone into, and I so appreciate the fact that they have continued to stay the course, and also uh, we just had a team go there, and they came back and so appreciated this kind of intensity, and as we think about declaring war on shallow Christianity, it is totally appropriate that Jeff and Annie Dieselberg are back with us to teach today, uh, not only on Psalm 91, but some of the things that they've been learning. So I hope you'll give a warm Cherry Hills welcome to Jeff and Annie Dieselberg. Wow, it is so good to be back here with all of you. I know some of you are new and you have no clue who we are. And that's okay, because I don't have any clue who you are. <laughs> but um, it's great that we're all together in one place to worship one God. Isn't that great? I want to thank you. I want to begin just by thank you. I have to do this. Not because it's an obligation, because it's, it's what I must do. I want to thank you, first of all, from the bottom of my heart for being so hospitable and welcoming even to the point that you would go to a kind of reverse incarnational welcome by having welcoming us with heat. Um, we come from Bangkok, and you know we're thinking of going to the United States, get some cool air, and uh, no. So thank you so much for that. And uh, also, I do want to seriously, on a serious note, I would like to, on behalf of Annie, and also myself, to. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, and your pastoral staff for trusting us with this time. I don't take that lightly. Thank you for sharing that. And for Pastor Brian and all of the Thailand team that came, I think the fruit of this trip to Thailand, we have not really even begun to count all that's going to take place because of that. And one of the distinctive fruits that has already taken place because of this trip to Thailand uh, is found in one of your own, Carla Demchek. And Carla has felt the call of God on her life to work with us at Nightlight, but here in the, in the United States. And she is now already part of Nightlight International staff, and she's doing that in seeking her, her own support, willing to find her own support 
uh, to work with Nightlight. And I know that you will be as generous to Carla as you have been to us. And it's so great to see this come out of Cherry Hills and to be something that came out of this trip as well, the team to Thailand. And I want to just finally end by saying very sincerely thank you to all of you, even the ones that I don't know. Thank you, because we've been on the mission field in Bangkok, Thailand for almost 18 years. And there is no way that we can do that without the church that sent us undergirding us. If you were not faithful in your giving, if you were not faithful in your support, and if you were not consistent in that, we probably wouldn't be able to be able to stand here today. Cherry Hills has so faithfully, consistently supported us as missionaries being present and also supported the ministry of Nightlight. And I wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are such a blessing. Psalm 91. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 91. In the few minutes that I have to share with you, I, I want to focus on just three things. I love on your banners here, I love that for the Psalms of the soul, I love this word awakening. In fact, uh, I've just put that into the sermon. And I want to talk about a life of awakening. A life of awakening and what that's all about. The first thing is a life of awakening is all about dwelling. We just heard that song, dwell. It's all about dwelling. In verse 1, 2, and 4, we see these words, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 4, He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Dwelling. He who dwells. That word dwells literally means to sit down and abide, and stay, and remain. Have a conversation. To be in the house and sit down with the plan of not going anywhere. A life of awakening is about dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Contemplating and understanding this God that we are with. In that first verse alone, there's four names of God in the Hebrew language. Right there in that one verse. Elion, El Shaddai, Yahweh, and Elohim. Right there. There we are sitting, dwelling. But I want to say that, uh, and just make sure we understand that a life of awakening is all about dwelling and not about drive-through. You know, we're a drive-through culture, aren't we? We have, we have a few drive-through McDonald's in Thailand, but it's kind of silly because you can't get anywhere. You can't even get there. It's so traffic jam. They should just deliver it to your car. 
because you're never going to get it through there. But I think we treat God sometimes like a drive-through. I mean, we're, you know, we come up and, and you know, we're expecting God to say, can I take your order? And we say, uh, yeah, I, you know, I got a back pain today. Let me have a, a side order of uh, success and um, just, you know, relieve these things. Uh, okay, that'll cost me my life. And we, we just have this, you know, side order mentality, I think, sometimes. Place the order, we get what we need, and off we go. But the awakened life is, is one that sits. It's a dine-in. It's a dine-in. And this is so important because you're, you're going to see that at least the people that we work with, this is the most important thing to learn. And for us, who are doing this ministry, it's the most important thing to learn. There's no way I could do what I do. There's no way Annie could do what she does if we did not take time to sit and dwell. This is not possible. So I want to encourage you, all you uh, drive-through people, good time today. Stop, sit, dwell. Second is um, a life of awakening is not only about dwelling, but it's about deliverance. A life of awakening is about deliverance. In verse 3, you're going to see the word save in the New International Version. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. That word save can also mean to deliver. Surely he will deliver you from the fowler's snare. Rescue you, snatch you out of the fowler's snare. And I learned in studying this that in hunting birds and in trying to catch the birds uh, with the big net, that very often that they would put a decoy in the net and make the birds confused in thinking that that's where they should go, is they should fly to where that bird-looking thing is, the decoy, and then they get caught up in that net. But the life of awakening is all about being delivered from that and rescued from that. So many of the women and now men that we work with, I say now men because uh, we founded a church called Song Sawang, which means send the light, started just with women who had come out of uh, prostitution or were exploited in some way, and now they have invited uh, their friends and their neighbors and their cousins and their uncles and all of these people, so we have men now in our church. And one of the most common things that we see is this getting caught in the fowler's snare. They see that decoy. They, they see that thing that looks like they should go in that direction, and they find themselves so quickly getting caught up in it. But thank God that our God is a rescuing God, a delivering God a saving God again and again and again. Because the bird that is released and delivered and set free, strangely enough, finds its way once in a while back into that same net that it got caught in before. Have you ever been caught in the same net that you just got set free from? It happens, doesn't it, to us? Deliverance. 
A life of awakening is about dwelling, sitting, being with God, being delivered when we foolishly go after that decoy and go into that net. And then I want us to focus most of our time right here on the third one, a life of demonstration. A life of demonstration. Starting with verse 5, and I'm just going to try to hit some of the main points here. First, I want to talk about how Satan demonstrates who Satan is to us in our life. It's so obvious when, when we read this that Satan demonstrates what Satan is all about by putting fear in verse 5, uh, putting fear into us, bringing terrors at night, bringing up nightmares and, and arrows that fly by day. So if, if you didn't get enough at night, you can expect something in the daytime. Or if that's not enough, if, if I can't make you psychologically uh, impaired and in terror and fearful, then I will strike you with pestilence. I'll hit your body. I will hit your body. And if that's not good enough and that doesn't work for you, even if I throw a little plague at you at midday, verse 6, then here I'll hit your friends and I'll hit your family because a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, because I'll wipe your friends out too. This is what Satan's all about. This is the agenda. This is the demonstration of what Satan wants to do in our life. Not only that, he wants to bring us harm in verse 10, and particularly he likes to throw the cobra out there, throw the snakes, get bitten, put the lion in our path, get chewed up. This is a spiritual battle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, against the evil one. And that's the one who is making demonstrative, demonstrating all the time in front of us. But this passage shows us that our God is higher, our God is greater than this one who demonstrates in this way all the time. Because in that verse 5 through 16, it says you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day. You will not be afraid of that nor the pestilence, nor the plague. Even though others might get wiped out, you will not. God will demonstrate victory in your life over these things. And I want to give you an example. One of the many things that I do, and you can ask more details at the luncheon today about what we do. But one of the things that I do is I teach a group called Heart Group. Heart Group is, the best way I can compare it is, think of an onion. When you peel an onion, you just have to go layer by layer by layer. Or a better and more biblical example, are there onions in the Bible? Leeks, I know there's leeks in the Bible, but anyway. Uh, when Lazarus was brought out from the grave, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. It didn't end there. Jesus had to say to the servants, take off his grave clothes. 
So I have the privilege of working with women who have come to faith in Christ, but we have to take off the grave clothes. The stuff that stinks, we have to take off. And I am so amazed at how God demonstrates who God is when they decide to become vulnerable and confess and say, this stinks in my life. And when they do that, they see freedom. Another layer comes off. And another layer comes off. And it's so beautiful to see what happens when you unwrap that whole person. And you see them walk in freedom. So this psalm, this life of awakening is about demonstration. Yes, Satan demonstrates all the time. He's in our face all the time. But our God is greater. Our God is greater. And his plan is to demonstrate through us. I want to show the world what I'm like, and I'm going to use you to do it as you walk in freedom. The psalm ends in verse 14. Because he loves me, this is the Lord talking, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Because you love me, because you have chosen to dwell, to sit, to rest, to be in my dwelling place, to be in my shadow, the shelter under my wings, because you have chosen to do that. And even though you have gone into the fowler's snare occasionally from time to time, you have allowed me to rescue you and take you out because you love me. I will continue to rescue you. I will continue to protect you. That's the sense of this word. Not just one time. Sorry, you've used up all your protection coupons. You've used up all your rescuing out of the net coupons. We ate at Arby's yesterday. You can see that. And uh, I, you know, I used to think a coupon was, you know, worth one time you use it and it's over. Um, I know Annie's not happy about this, so I won't look at her. But um, my sons and I, who like to eat meat, um, said, "Hey, it's, we did, she didn't take our coupon. Let's go back up and show it. Could we get some more?" So we got to eat a lot of meat. We just kept showing that coupon. Of course, you got to pay, too. I mean, it's, you still have to pay money. Anyway, okay, I'm just saying, it's not a one-time thing. <laughs> I'm not justifying my behavior, okay? I just want to make sure you, you understand that, okay? God doesn't give us this one-time uh, coupon. But I want you to notice how this ends, because if you're talking about a life of awakening, look at this. With long life. Oh, yeah, I, that's what, I want a long life of awakening. I don't want to just like wake up, you know, to the Lord and say, okay, well, I get it. A long life. And I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That word right there, salvation, is Yeshua. That ring a bell, Yeshua. What does that mean? Who is Yeshua? Jesus. I will show you Yeshua. I will show you Jesus. In my demonstration of my love for you and my protection for you, my rescuing and delivering, I am going to show you in your life and to other people who Jesus is. You're going to see 
the real Jesus. I'm going to show him to you. And he does. And when people see, they come. This is the kind of life I want. This is the kind of life I want for you. It's the kind of life I want for the women and men that I work with. Yes, we get trapped in the snare. Yes, they do. But I choose to dwell and I choose to lead them to dwell with God. One of the... A person who I think demonstrates Jesus more than I've ever known in my life is my wife, Annie. She just has Jesus all over her. And I'm constantly amazed at how Jesus just demonstrates his love through her. And I want her to continue this sermon. This is not the end of the sermon. It continues now with my wife, Annie. On a lighter note, real quick, uh, if Jeff wants to continue his long life, he might want to beware of the Fowler snare at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, come and anoint my words. I, I pray, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me your words. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort those who mourn this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would Convict those who are comfortable. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Have your way. It's such a pleasure to be with you here this morning. And Psalm 91 is such an important psalm at Nightlight. Nightlight is an international organization addressing issues of sex trafficking and sexual exploitation through prevention, intervention, restoration, education, um, awareness. Nightlight engages the darkness. Nightlight confronts the darkness on a regular basis. We go into the bars, into the, the streets of the red light area to confront the darkness that holds prisoners captives. Prisoners who are women, prisoners who are men, prisoners who are children. The broken, the weary, the exploited. It's a dark world, darker world than I ever imagined. I grew up on the mission field with my parents, but I never understood or even fathomed how terrible the darkness could be, the type of evil that existed out there. And Psalm 91 has become a psalm that is so important for me personally, but also for the women at Nightlight, 160 women that we've brought out of, that God has brought out of the sex industry who have passed through Nightlight's doors. And the 17 women who have been rescued from sex trafficking from Uganda, from Central Asia, from Colombia, South America. But Psalm 91 has been rehearsed over and over by so many of these women because they regularly face the terrors of night. And I don't know, some of you may have seen recently the National Geographic documentary that came out that showed um, a raid of Uzbek women that I was involved in where we were able to take two women from that raid, two victims, and bring them to shelter. And I, they made it look very exciting and very dangerous. And yes, there is an element of danger there. I don't feel it quite to the degree that they made it look in the documentary. 
And yes, my life was threatened by one of the trafficking ring. But I have come to learn that the real threat, as Jeff said, is not in the physical realm. It is not flesh and blood, but it is the spiritual. That is the area in which we encounter the most darkness because what we see on the physical realm in the broken men, the broken women, the hurt, the pain, is really just a reflection of the evil that is going on behind the scenes. It is the work of Satan that is destroying them. And so our battle is not against the flesh, but our battle is against the forces of darkness that have taken people captive. And that's who we are called to go out into the darkness to rescue and to deliver from their captivity. And not just a captivity of sexual bondage, of sexual addictions, but a captivity of brokenness that plagues even some of you here, I'm sure of depression, of evil spirits, of different addictions, of a shallow Christian life. There are many forms of captivity. The Fowler snare is real. And I encountered it in a very real way. I had the privilege of, of doing deliverance with a young woman, young girl really, 17 years old, and she had come out of prostitution. And she had just been violated when she came to us. And she was in extreme brokenness and fear. But one day at work, she collapsed in a heap. She couldn't see, she couldn't think, she couldn't talk, she couldn't walk. And so she was taken to the emergency room. And the doctor said, well, there's nothing wrong with her. Take her to a psychiatrist. But they chose instead to bring her back to nightlight and to ask us to pray for her. And so we started to pray. We prayed, but we saw a little change in her. And then we were told that she had this tattoo, and it's a religious tattoo, actually the same one that Angelina Jolie has. It's a religious tattoo that is done that involves black magic, that is actually a blood covenant with forces of darkness, believing that that will protect them from bullets even, from knives. And yet it's a very real covenant of, de of death, a blood covenant, that should they break any of the laws of that covenant, it actually says that the consequences are madness, torment, or death. And so we were watching this young girl look physically like she was dying before our eyes, and we began to battle with that force of darkness that was coming against her. And face to face, I encountered such evil as I have never seen before. Coming through her eyes was a demonic force that was so powerful so evil, and it raged against me. But I was not afraid, and I was not harmed, because I was dwelling in the shadow of the Most High God, and I knew my place of authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And so there is no fear in that place. It took over two months to bring that girl and her friend to freedom, to deliverance, in a very, very intense battle. But we saw victory. We saw victory. Not long afterwards, she disappeared from nightlight and somehow reconnected with a young man who took her back kind of under, his, under a spell. Although she didn't come back under the captivity of those demonic forces, she left nightlight. And I was concerned for her, so I took a picture of her baptism, of me and her and the friend in a, in a photograph, and I wrote a note on the back, and I slipped it under her door, trying to contact her to bring her back. She didn't come. 
And a short time later, I was walking with a friend who had helped in the deliverance through the market, of Chattatook Market, a weekend market. And there was a stall there, which there are many places in Thailand because it's a, very, it's a country full of animism, of idolatry. And there were all of these idols there. And so casually, I walked up to it and I said, oh, you see that one? That's what that is. And that's what that is. And, and this is named that. And remember when we did deliverance with this girl? Well, that was that, that one that was oppressing her and that one. And I was just naming and identifying who these were. And the man who was selling them walked up and, he's, and he you know, wanted to know if I wanted to buy them. And I was like, huh, no. <laughs> you know, I don't want to buy them. I'm just pointing them out because these are, you know, we encounter these all the time at our workplace. And uh, basically I said we kick their butt. Forgive me, parents, if that's not a good word. <laughs> and, um, you know, so a little bit of a haughty attitude there. And he said, oh, are you some kind of like witch doctor or something? I'm like, no, I'm a Christian. And someday, every one of these is going to bow to the name of Jesus. Well, that's true. However, I was being quite arrogant, to be honest. I walked away from there, and within five minutes, my foot started cramping. And then the other foot started cramping. And within three days, I had pain, severe pain, that was going down my back that was so intense Painkiller was not taking care of it, and by, uh, within another 24 hours, early in the morning, about 4 a.m., I was crying out in pain, and Jeff took me to the emergency room, and they immediately put me on morphine. I was in the hospital then for five days on morphine. They did every kind of test that they could do on me. They did CAT scans, they did body scans, they did hormone, they did ultrasounds, they did blood tests, and they found absolutely nothing wrong with me. They sent in a psychiatrist, but even he was puzzled. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> and, but we had women, the staff of Nightlight and some church staff who were praying. They committed to fasting and praying for me two hours every morning before work. And one of them has a gift of seeing in the spirit. And as she was praying early in the morning, she saw a picture of the girl who had come through deliverance. And she was standing with a man. They were looking at a photograph. She didn't know that I had taken a photograph. And the girl was pointing at me in the picture and saying, she's the one. And then she saw this man doing a spell, doing witchcraft. And the witchcraft landed on me. And she also saw in the spirit, she saw a vision, a picture of snakes coming at me from every direction all around me. But there was a shield right about me and the snakes could not get to me. We prayed. I was released from the hospital, did a week of physical therapy, but that was it, it was done. God delivered me from that fowler snare. But it was a fowler snare because they do exist. Because I was not called at that moment to cockily, arrogantly, to walk up and to belittle those idols. I stepped out of spiritual protocol I was not abiding in the shadow of the Most High God. I was acting out of, my, out of my flesh. And the witchcraft could take effect on me because of that. I have learned through that experience how important it is to dwell in the shadow of the Most High God. It says in Psalm 91, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, if you say, 
The Most High is my dwelling. Then no harm will come to you. And I have learned the importance of intimacy with God in this battle. Because yes, we are up against a lot of darkness. We are up against these battles. And they are intense. And none of us are equipped to handle the extent of the darkness that keeps 27 million people in trafficked today, in slavery today around the world with increasing rates. Even the girls, when I was here years ago, it was 7th Avenue, the girls here in Springfield who were in prostitution. We are not equipped to handle the darkness in that on our own. But God doesn't call us to do it in our own. He doesn't call us to do it in our flesh. But he calls us to do it through the intimacy with him, through dwelling with him. He says, because you love me, says the Lord, I will rescue you. Because we love him. And what is love? It tells us in 1 John 4, but that he, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. And so we are called to love our brothers and our sisters. It also says in 1 John that his love becomes complete in us when we love others. And it says that we will have confidence on the day of judgment if we walk as Jesus walked on this earth. And how did Jesus walk? But in love, in confronting the darkness, in releasing the prisoners, in setting free those who are oppressed, in binding the brokenhearted. See, Psalm 91 doesn't tell us that there will be no, no foul or snare. It doesn't tell us that there will be no terrors of night. But what it calls us to is to walk in intimacy, to know that we are seated in Christ in heavenly places, and we have that authority in Christ to engage, to confront the darkness. And so God does not call us to a life of convenience, of self-indulgence, of comfort. That's not where the adventure is. The adventure comes in being filled with the presence of God and going to those very places of the devil's doorstep, of the devil's playground, to release the prisoners from darkness. And it is the greatest adventure that you could ever imagine. And you will not only encounter God's heart for the broken, that will amaze you and humble you, but you will discover his love in new ways, greater intimacy with God that is so worth it, people. It is so worth it. Ying was one woman that we encountered. As I learned the incredible passion and heart of God going into the red light area, Ying was a streetwalker, and one night as we were walking, she was, she was ill, and she was holding on to, a, to the branch of a tree, and uh, my colleague, Bang, said, I'm, I'm worried about her. Should we take her to the hospital? And I said, sure, call a taxi. And I went, and I stood next to her, and she literally fell unconscious in my arms. I picked her up and carried her to the taxi, held her in my arms all the way to the hospital. She was unconscious the entire time, and I didn't know if she was dying in my arms. We got her to the hospital, very poor medical care in that government hospital, that one in particular. And they examined her and they said, well, there's really nothing wrong with her. This type, meaning women in prostitution, prostitutes. This happens to this type. This is the way they are. It's just the stress. There's nothing wrong with her. And they released her from the hospital, but she could not even walk. She couldn't stand without collapsing. 
So we brought her back to nightlight, put her in the bed. She collapsed on the floor. We found her on the floor in the morning, took her by ambulance to another hospital, a private hospital, a Christian hospital, actually. But even there, the doctor said, well, it's just this type. This happens. It's just the stress. And I insisted that they do an examination. And they found a pelvic infection that was so severe that she probably would have died if she had not been hospitalized. And she was sacrificing her life for her family. But her family didn't even come to the hospital to visit her. We brought her into nightlight so that she could get strong enough. We offered her a job. We took care of her. But she left, and a few days later, one of my team members saw her on the street with a customer. Do you know I was angry? I was offended. After all we did for her, we took her to a private hospital. We paid for her medical care. We sheltered her. We nurtured her. We offered her a job. We offered her the chance of a lifetime. We threw her a lifeline, and she went back to a customer. And I was reminded of Hosea. And how God called Hosea and told him to marry a prostitute and to show his love to that prostitute. And he did. And she was unfaithful to him, and she went back into prostitution. And God said, go get her and show her my love again. And he did. And I knew that God was saying to me, Annie, isn't that what you do? And I was humbly reminded of how often I walk away from God and I, I put other lovers before my true love. And that's prostituting, spiritual adultery. And I realized that God put me in that place to catch Ying in my arms, in his arms. He set up that divine appointment knowing that she was going back into prostitution. He knew. He knew that she was going to go back on the street into prostitution. But he still had us there in that moment to catch her in our arms. Not because she deserved it, but because that's the power of his love. And I understood that Jesus died for me, knowing when he was on that cross and he was dying for me, he knew that there would be times that I would turn my back on him. He knew there would be times that I would fail him, that I would betray him for other loves. And he still chose in that moment to die for me so that he could rescue me. And that is the power of his love. That is the power of his love that pursues us with a passion. That is the power of his love that compels, that calls us into those places of darkness. Yes, we will be disappointed. Yes, we will be let down. Yes, there is a fowler snare. Yes, there is darkness. Yes, there are terrors of night. But God's power is so much greater. His light is so much brighter, and the darkness scatters. Recently, a woman who was with a prophetic ministry said that she, when she was following me through the streets of Bangkok in the, in the red light area, she said, as I was walking, there was a light that was surrounding me, covering me. And she said that she saw the darkness push back as the light came through. And after I walked past, the darkness came back together, but there were pockets of light in that darkness. It was no longer completely dark. You see, when we're in God's will, 
when we choose to obey his commands, to love, to truly love the way he calls us to love, his light does cover us. We are in the shadow of his mighty wings. And his love carries us into those dark places. And it says in 1 John, perfect love cast out all fear. And it is in that place of perfect love, of his perfect love, when his love, not what we have, but when his love so fills us, so consumes us with his heart for the broken, his heart for the lost, it's his love that so consumes us that fear will banish. Fear will be cast aside. And you will find a strength and you find a courage that you have never known before. And it is exhilarating. Honestly, it is. I love adventure. And the reason I love adventure is because I have come to discover God's power that is so much greater than any force of evil. And that our God will do anything to deliver us from captivity. But he doesn't want us just to be delivered from captivity. He wants us to be compelled to take this light, to take this love into a dark, into a hurting world and release those prisoners from darkness. And I invite you to the great adventure. Many of you are already on it. Keep going. Don't grow weary. Those of you who are getting a little too comfortable, <laughs> I want to challenge you. The, I would rather have the risk, the danger. I would rather go through the pain and the suffering to know this overwhelming, consuming love of Christ than to live a mediocre life with a mediocre Jesus. Because my God is an amazing God, and he calls us to this adventure with him. So come. We're going to show a video. And this video comes from the Song Sawang Church that Jeff founded for Nightlight. And it was filmed on our retreat. Our son Jordan put it together of the retreat. And it really is a testimony of changed lives, of the power of God. The name of Jesus is powerful to break every chain. It's impossible for me to watch that and not cry. because they have been delivered. And God demonstrates God's presence in those delivering events. And now, the hard part, teaching them to dwell so they don't get caught up again in the Fowler's snare. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I thank God for all of you partnering with us in this ministry and praying for us that we don't get caught up in the Fowler's snare either. God bless you.